Benjamin Franklin once said, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. The fact is, quality matters. Join us as we make quality fun, interesting, and accessible to companies of all levels. Quality matters is a must-listen for all things quality. Listen in, ask questions, and get back to doing what matters most. Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. All right, welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast. I'm Kyle Chambers with Texas Quality Assurance. And as I have been promising, and I know you probably like, Kyle, we're, we're getting tired of hearing it. You're going to get more regular with the podcast, but we really are. We finally have a plan and a uh, strategy that I think is, uh, is going to be sustainable for us. Uh, so with that, we're going to be changing it up a little bit. Um, we're going to be having as a regular guest on the uh, podcast, kind of co-host, really, I think it's going to be, is uh, Caleb Adcock. He's uh, our software manager for us here at Texas Quality Assurance. Um, so we'll be introducing him in just a minute. And our guest today is Robert Mim. So it's been a while since he's been on the podcast, but um, Robert's fantastic. Um, just so much wealth of knowledge when it comes to metrology. So we're going to be having a real fun conversation about that today. So Robert is a metrology specialist with uh, Prosper Machine Tools. Forgive me, you can see me looking at my notes. I have to write it down. Memory's terrible. And uh, that's probably why we built quality management software because you can't remember anything. So with all of that, let me go ahead and get the team brought in here. So Caleb, say hello to the world. Hey, hello, everyone. All right. And Robert, good to talk to Hello. you. Hello. Hey, yeah, we got you on a different Great order. Caleb, I'm covering your face with our logo. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, all right. So, Robert, not everyone knows what metrology is. This was a term like I'd never heard of, you know, until about 15 years ago. So, this is a what's this kind of weird geeky uh geeky sounding word and why do any of us care about it uh, so metrology is the science of measurement um i'm specifically focused on dimensional metrology so the the science of distance measurement now okay. i don't have any uh fancy engineering or physics degrees which is what a lot of metrologists right have um but i have 15 years of experience in the industry and you know i make it my hobby to study this absolutely deep and fascinating subject. <laughs> you know, and I, uh, I, I've been no, um, never hid my feelings on it. I'm not saying college is useless. I'm saying it's just not, you know, worthwhile for most of us. And uh, so if you can find a way to learn and do what you need to do without it, then, then by all means go for it. Not that I don't live in education. Just, you know, you get the idea. <laughs> Life degree doesn't do. mean much to me. It's like an education on demand. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's amazing. I've never met anyone that set out to get into quality. And it's just kind of a weird world. And you, you're, you're in that parallel path to the quality world. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how you and I connected many, many years ago now. I mean, we've known each other for a <laughs> long yeah. time. This um, is I remember all this was like brand new. And still some days I'm like, hey, this still feels like new. And it's like, <laughs> it's been a while. Um, yeah, because I don't. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of small companies, probably a lot of the ones you work with, Kyle, um, focus a lot on like quality. Their quality guy is also in charge of all their calibrations. They're in charge of all of that um, as well. And I think you and I both see them very much as different entities, the quality and the metrology side of it. So 
um, like if we worked at the same company, you'd be the quality manager and I'd mm-hmm. be the lab manager or the, oh, yeah. somebody and in, in those sort of that, roles. That's so. it. They're, they're, they're separate worlds. Yeah, they are different skill sets, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, if you're at a uh, say you're a small machine shop, you guys got a handful of calipers. All right. Not such a big deal. But the moment you've got a lab and you're starting to uh, to do a lot of the work and turn like I remember at one point we decided we wanted to do all of our spot checks in house instead of sending everything out. And manager was like, oh, well, that's simple. Just get a just get a set of standards and we're good. I'm like, <laughs> no. Math doesn't work like that, unfortunately. It a lot doesn't. of but but there's a there's a difference. And I think one of the focuses of the metrology field, um, and in dimensional metrology especially, is you know, measuring a size is a moving target. Yeah. You know, it drops by a, a degree in temperature mm-hmm. or it um you know, you're in a different atmosphere or, you know, the tool is calibrated, you know, on a mountain and you're in a valley, you know, yeah. every, yeah. everything, vibrations nice. of the machines around you, the amount of airflow all affects the size of something. So what yep. I, I call myself a metrology specialist instead of, you know, a calibration or a technician, because for me, it's about chasing that number. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, how can we build a the best process so that we get as close to the correct number as possible every time. Yeah. And now I, I can hear, you know, so many people in the background mind saying, well, if you get a repeatable result, then that means it's good. we got a repeatable result. But what you're saying is that's, that's not quite the case. Oh, a hundred percent not. I mean, there's, you know, it's kind of like people who think resolution and accuracy are the same thing, you know, just because uh, something can do something or says it's the same. I mean, that number could still be off by, by your entire tolerance band mm-hmm. and um and it could be repeatable within your tolerance band yeah i mean so tell me how accurate th- this this would be or not because I've, I've debated using this um description for some of my uh my clients before when we're trying to explain like when they really need to start paying more attention to calibrations and especially yeah. when it's like a large production line where the maintenance and preventative actions ain't case that's a whole other conversation but would this be a good analogy? So let's say that you're a good marksman and you're shooting down range, right? So yeah. you never are inaccurate by more than two inches. You're always within two inches, but you're generally spread out within two inches versus you're hitting it bullseye in every 10th one your way out. You know, we're, well, that's where we're kind of talking about accuracy versus resolution and like how, how on target are you? Like how much of a spread do you have there? How much does that matter? You know? Yeah. Yeah, in some ways, I I think you're you're heading down the right path with that. I think that um, you know, if the best way that I would just use your analogy and build upon it would be the the resolution of the machine is the number of rings on your target, mm-hmm. um, and then the accuracy is how close together, All or how close are. how close to the nominal to the center right. those are. Even if they're uh, off, they're consistently off in the same location. Yeah, so that's repeatability. Yep. Is they're all together. Um, and accuracy is how close are they to zero? Okay. Or to that bullseye. Okay. Um and, and if you think about it like that, it it it's pretty straightforward. I mean, at least in my head, although I'm the same guy who can reach behind me and grab at least four textbooks on metrology. <laughs> so I'm no, I think this, this is kind of a, a good way to go with it though, because but anyway, that's kind of for my own benefit. Because I'm trying to find some ways to to explain this in, in situations where the company's just on that cusp of 
do we do something better internally or do we keep outsourcing this? That, that, I mean, that's a whole podcast. When to decide how to decide who to go to. Um, <laughs> but I, here's the segue I want to make with it. Cause all of this, again, if you're listening, folks listening to it, you're like, what's it matter? Why do we need to be that tight on the tolerance? Like how tight can we really go with this stuff? Like, how far down this rabbit trail do we go with dimensions and when and why does it matter? So oh, I actually a have a, a oh, input okay. there. So, um, you know, I started out as a welder and then I became an inspector. And part of my inspection training was I was working in a machine shop and I just kind of got thrown into that. You know, they say, here's a pair of calipers. Here's an old guy like learn from this guy <laughs> and uh, you know, he'll he'll teach you he'll teach you all about it so you know he swears by this 1930s lathe and uh press and <laughs> won't even use it anyway so you start dealing with that small of dimensions you know you're talking about a thousandth of an inch or whatever five thousandths of an inch like you start it, at first you're like i can't even fathom that but then as you start looking at like a 16th of an inch and you're like, wait a second, I can actually kind of start seeing when something's a 16th off because I've been looking at thousands, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm like, as an inspector, you look at blueprints and, you know, you see, okay, you got a three inch dimension between two holes, right? Uh -huh. And so you're like, you got a 5,000 tolerance, which is pretty much not needed in most industries or, you know, the engineer wants that. But so as an inspector, you're getting all caught up in that. But then in the actual ASP, like the actual um, use of the tool, it's like it's either going to fit or it's not going to fit what it's being made for. And so that's what, you know, when Kyle was like, well, when is it important? When is it? And like when you're removed from the process, when you're removed from the tool itself and what it's being used for, all you have is that blueprint. And so, like, yeah, I think I thought that was a good, like, okay, well, when is it important? Like, as long as it fits what the customer wants, you know, it doesn't matter. But I, you know, and I think you're talking a little bit more about standards. And yeah, yeah, no, I think first of all, uh, what you just said was was awesome. I mean, those are the types of thought processes that how accurate do we need to be? And the answer mm -hmm. is, in in my personal professional opinion, if you are measuring something your tool should be at least four times more accurate that would be mil spec so military specification state that your tool should be four times more accurate than the accuracy of the measurement you're supposed to take that's what we call a four to one ratio now sometimes a two to one ratio is okay in super extreme hey we know what we're doing we are in a controlled environment I've even seen one-to-one -one used on very high-end calibrations because there's nothing more accurate than the tool that you're calibrating. So you have to calibrate it to something equally as accurate. So um, when you say four-to-one, um, do you mean like, okay, let's say you're working with a machine that, you know, obviously has a little bit of wobble or vibration and they're expecting like, you, you're saying that your your measurement tools should be more accurate than the machine itself, or what did you? I mean, no, then I then the, on the drawing, there's always a call out for an accuracy. So let's say I pull out a okay, caliper, yeah, yeah. I can do here in a sec, and I'm measuring a a a, a bore or a, a a shaft. So I take mm -hmm. it and I'm I'm measuring a shaft. I want that caliper to be four times more accurate than the call out on the print for that shaft. Uh, okay. So so if it calls out a thou, I want something that has, you know, half tenth 
yeah. you know, or I mean, like half a thou, quarter of a thou resolution. Um, you know, and then all those uncertainties <laughs> and issues, you know, those can mostly be discounted at that point. Exactly, and that's what you're doing is um, because every every measurement, no matter where you're at in the scale, has an uncertainty value to it. Yep. So. If you go to Mitutoyo and you ask them to measure something on their leg X that they have in a super controlled lab only, like they don't measure anything when a second person is in the room. The door is not allowed to be open. It actually locks while you're not, while it's measuring. It's the most insane machine, CMM, that I have ever seen. Um, and I do make the argument that they do make the most accurate CMM, but every CMM manufacturer argues that. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're a Mitsutoyo guy, at least in that aspect, yeah. huh? Well, I mean, it does help that. Um, so, Prosper Machine Tool, where I work, we we basically only carry two metrology lines, and that's um, we're a full line distributor for OGP, which makes um, vision system based uh, optical comparators. So, basically, an optical comparator that uses a video camera instead of a touch probe, a vision system. Sorry is a CMM that uses a camera instead of a touch probe. And then you have um, Michitoyo, who makes, in my opinion, one of the best CMMs on the market. And so, um, you, you know, that's all I work with for the most part anymore. Uh, we don't really deal with hand tools. I only deal with the really high-end, um, uh, super accurate machines these days. Okay, that makes sense. Well, so tell me, like you say, super accurate. Like, what's what's super accurate? So, I guess for for context, Caleb, you were um, well inspector. What you know, what, what type of tolerances did did you see that that anyone cared about? What what was the high end that you had to deal with? Oh, I mean, it depends. You know, structural that gets a little, um, you know, and and then again, it's an opinion. You know, you see what's on this on this on the uh, <clears throat> print, but then you get to application you know you got standards and stuff that say it's got to be but i mean in general like in um manufacturing and large-scale manufacturing you know 16 something like that some people try and say a 32nd of an inch and you're like <laughs> you know but um and then you get into the machining world and you start getting like okay these two holes have to be this far apart or else the what it's being connected to is not going to work then you start yeah. getting into five thousands which uh, I think a 16th then, is 0. 0.006, so a little bit smaller. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, um, so, I I work in two different systems, obviously. I work in SEA and I work in metric. Um, most of the math, uh, really, the root of most of the math is all in metric. So, on, on a, and honestly, everything is mastered in metric. So even if you go out and you buy yourself a set of gauge blocks that are inch gauge blocks, somewhere in its traceability, it switches to metric. Um, <laughs> and that just has to do with the fact that um, the SI, which is what everything, all of our measurements are based on, is a metric system. Um, so the first thing I like to bring up to before we get into accuracies and diving down that rabbit hole is kind of when I recommend using metric and when I recommend using um, Imperial or SEA, um so that's kind of where, where i generally would like to to, to start okay. that conversation um, i think for practical i mean i don't know there, there's no clear answer here but i think anything practical once we get past what we can do on a ruler um it's all metric 
That's 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 exactly actually one of the the way that I that I word it. If you can't measure it on a tape measure, yeah, I do it in metric. Um, but I have a question for you, and I don't know if I've ever actually had this conversation with you, Kyle. But okay. I'm going to ask it to Caleb in case I have. Caleb, <laughs> why would you? What is the what is the primary difference in measuring between the metric system and the imperial system? And it's not the size of the of the sections. I mean, you know, it's the I would say my my guess would be the educate like the base 10, um, if that's the right word for it. You know, everything's in, yeah. in tenths rather than uh, 12 inches versus. Uh, yeah, everything. people would say that our system is kind of jacked because it's like 12 inches equals a foot, 36 inches equals, a, you know, a yard. Um, yeah. So I would say base 10 is the biggest. Oh, it, so there's that's a the right word. Beautiful piece and you're leading into it perfectly um you had you had mentioned base 12 versus base 10 do you know why base 12 when when you know in the in the founding of the united states although i have stories about this too but in when we originally decided to go with the imperial system over the metric system why we would go for a base 10 12 instead of a base 10 system have i would have <laughs> As a guess, I'd have it was either a pride thing or it was a comparative thing of something common in the. Oh, I do know that this is a cool story. Yes, but no, go. I, I remember this. Yes, I was trying to figure out. Are you talking about the, the the ship sinking story? Yes. I can tell that story yes. too. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I tell that story all the time. It's one of my favorites. Okay, so if you take a hole, no matter what that hole is, okay, and I fold it in half, I have 0.5. Mm-hmm. Everybody agrees with that. But if I fold it into thirds, I have 0.33333333333333. Right. So the difference between base 12 and base 10 is the fractional, the ability to do fractions in it. Yep. So 12 is, so 10 is only divisible by 1, 2, 5, and 10 to make a whole number. But 12 is divisible by 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, yeah. <laughs> and 12. Yeah. So so because of that, we get an amazingly huge variety of fractions that we can work with. Um, it so sucks when you do real world math. Yeah. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when you're trying to take that and turn it into something else. I, I used to keep up on my wall and I don't have it in my new office, but um, I used to keep up on my wall a uh, fractional equivalency chart. Mm -hmm. I'm doing everything in decimals, even in in the imperial mm -hmm. system, and that's it's just awful. Like, oh, what yeah. fraction drill bit is that? You know, so well, on and so forth. The uh, do you know where like the the base twelve? Because I just find this stuff fascinating. Like the whole base twelve system. Do you know where the origins of it even come from? I do, this... but you're more than welcome to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, ancient uh, Sumerian and Babylonian cultures. Is because everything was base twelve. You could do all of the math on your hand. So each digit, so you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And so you've got your digits there. And so you can do a lot of complex math just on, on your hands. And so that's why our clocks and everything is 360. And so it just stuck because it's a numbering system that I guess biologically works with us. It just doesn't work with math. Yeah, so I think we've established that the imperial system is is better. You know, so, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so how, I, I, honestly, in this range, it is better. Yeah, yeah. If I can it's, measure it's it with me, a ruler, it's better. It gets me when somebody's like, 
that's 179 centimeters. I'm like, what, what is that? Like that's seven <laughs> feet. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Seven, seven feet is more, I don't even know if that math adds up, but it's like six what? feet, four inches is a lot more fathomable than me than 130 with centimeters. Okay, so this is kind of that's your training, technical, but this is just like a weird thing. It's like we all, I can't perceive, it doesn't matter how hard I try. I cannot perceive the world in centimeters and meters and kilometers. You tell me feet and miles, I immediately, I feel it. I sense it. I know how far it is. You tell me kilometers, and I'm like, I know. I, it's. I know the math. I just yeah. can't, I can't intuitively grasp it. It's just so weird how that works. Yeah, and, and honestly, that has to do with your upbringing, though. That has a yeah. lot less to do. So I was really blessed. I don't. I deal with kilometers very rarely. I deal with very small numbers more than anything over a millimeter is pretty much outside of what I, I have to actually <laughs> do. But um, I also grew up um, uh, kind of split. I, I spent, you know, from up to first grade in, in the U.S., and then I moved to Australia for nine years or something ah, like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, okay. a lot of those formative years were in metric um, and then come back and did high school in Texas. So, or, you know, I'm like, <laughs> you're ambidextrous there. Yeah, I guess the big numbers still confuse me. And honestly, I love um, small numbers in metric. They make so much more sense to me, um, which actually is, how is interesting. How, how it's very small. Um, to, the funny thing is, is that the smallest number most of us will ever hear outside of the metrology field is a micron. Mm -hmm. But just so you're aware, a micron is one thousandth of a millimeter, but one thousandth of a micron is called a nanometer. And there are machines that exist now that have accuracies measured in nanometers because they're like 50 <laughs> nanometers. But that's even hard to think about in your like in your mind. And when you get to machines that are <coughs> th technically this accurate, so a great example. I'm actually looking at. Um, I pulled this up because I've seen this machine yeah, me, in person. Let me throw it up there. But uh, the Legic series by Matutoyo. I told you they make one of the most accurate CMMs in the world. If you actually look at the technical documents for this, it actually doesn't give you an accuracy. It only tells you resolution. Because when we hit machines that are this accurate, you know, if you have this in an enclosed room with an AC that isn't exactly right, you're tripling and quadrupling the actual tolerance you can pull out of the machine. Oh my as opposed, God. yeah, think about <laughs> if you ever, I've been in the room where they hold um, the machine they use to check scales and mm -hmm. to check like glass scales. They also use it to check, um, gauge blocks with one of these CMMs. And Indeed. what I can tell you is when you walk into that room and you can see the DRO, when you open the door, you watch the numbers jump. Oh, wow. <laughs> that isn't including like your body heat in the room, heating it up by a tenth of a degree. Um, and these machines are sensing that. So when we get to this type of accuracy, this micron accuracy, it's 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 past most people's comprehension of what a measurement <laughs> is. And um, even the more you get into the math, it kind of feels like guesswork because <laughs> you you're like, ah, I mean, plus or minus a micron like <laughs> yeah. in your head. Um, you know, so, it's, 
Go ahead. Where would this type of accuracy be um, required? I mean, I understand, let's say you're building calibration blocks, that kind of thing that are going to be yeah. um, testing calipers and stuff. But what are some other applications where that type of tolerance would be? Um, in the electrical field, we get a lot more okay. um, super accurate. You're measuring the spacing between, mm, you know, like conductors. Yeah, um, yeah. But that makes stuff sense. like that. Um, they usually use a microscope, a visual system. Um, thousands of brands out there. Um, OGP is one of them. Um, they make an amazing machine. By the so way. Um, it, it, it's been a minute, but I, I can remember, you know, once you start looking at threads in a machine shop, and, and I think you call, I think it's called an optical comparator. Is that is that right? like it's been a decade? Um, yeah. But you know, you start measuring threads and spacing and stuff like that. And it like, it gets to a point where you do have to, when we used to take molds and then it, I'm sure you, it kind of baffled me how they did this. Cause you, you would think you'd lose some accuracy here, but you take a mold and then you put that on the comparator and then you're able to like blow that up. So you're actually able to measure um, per to scale. And I, and I was like, yeah. that blew my mind. You know, I never even thought, okay, that's how, that's how, t especially with threading. You know, yeah. if you put out a hundred hundreds uh, tools and the threading's wrong because you couldn't measure it right or, you, or your jig was wrong or something like that, that's a big deal. That's a lot of money. Um, yeah. So that, it, it's all, I actually was considering metrology before I decided to go like the full on, like, you know, cause nobody ever stops and thinks is like, what is an inch? Who defines mm -hmm. what an inch is or who defines mm -hmm. what like, uh, and, and I actually had to look it up and I don't, yeah, I'm sure you probably could define that better but it's like how long light takes to travel in a in a two or you know something like that yeah, yeah. okay so <laughs> the the fascinating thing before i go too far is there's only one um i can't think of the name of this where basically something defines something and then that thing defines the <laughs> first thing yeah I don't, like a loop it's self-referential yeah and and quality in the quality world in the calibration world those are avoided at all cost yeah but there's one place that that is considered a constant. Hang on. And that right. is the speed of light is equal to just under 300 million. Hold on. Let's make sure. Um, I think it's 300 million meters per second. Yeah. Um, you can't avoid it. There yeah, that's, that's the speed that it is. And by the way, yeah. the original speed was obviously 300 million meters per second and then we got more either more accurate tools or <laughs> something happened with our calibration system and we no longer read it as 300. i've never figured out why this number but then <laughs> the meter is actually defined as one 299 so on and so forth of the speed of light because we use light to measure so it's, oh, it's that's the one, and that's yeah. the SI. <laughs> yeah. It's the one time that it's okay because they're both constants, right? We know time. We measure that right. with the decay of a cesium atom. Um, what so if we that actually changes? Use... I don't know if that's physically pot, but what if light, what if the speed of light changes or what if the decay changes oh. because of. Actually, that, I love this question matter. because it'll take us down a completely different rabbit hole. But if the speed <laughs> of light ever changed, we could never prove it. Yep, because the only circular. way to measure the speed of light is from here to there and back again. Mm -hmm. And it's the same argument that if the speed of light is directional, meaning you see in one 
direction yeah. easier than you see in another. You can't ever prove it because you have to go yeah. both ways to know that it happened. Yep. Um, so, and whether it's through an electrical line or through a fiber optic cable or whatever it is, that that time is what, you know, All right. we can't well, prove we it's different. We like a little bonus geek out episode on this. <laughs> but I'm going to have to, as much as I want to, I'm going to get it. Oh, man, because okay. this is the stuff that I find really fascinating, too. Well, I find everything. I'm just a geek about anything. I was yes. talking to my wife I the know. other day. I was like, how we get along? She's like, Kyle, is there anything you don't find fascinating? It's like, other than your TV shows, not really. Yeah, that I was going to say, brilliant. Real Housewives? Yeah, reality television. <laughs> that was not the right answer. <laughs> oh, it's all right. My partner does the same thing. She's she's watches TV shows that I'm like... <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go build something or um, yeah, yeah, uh, do something like that. Well, so I, I pulled that micron thing back up. Yeah, I'm gonna pull if that. You up want me to talk about this for yeah, a second? This is, this is pretty cool because this gives some some context and like a lot of machine shops really have to worry about this stuff. Like I remember when I was at the turbine shop, we'd go down to a ten thousandth of an inch very regularly. But I'll be honest with you, I never quite grasped what is that. I just yeah. knew that number we had to hit. So since we're working in metric here, this is this is a great metric um, designation, a great way to, to, to think about the size of a micron. So just for the sake of for you imperial people, a micron is 40 millionths, 39 point something millionths of an inch. Oh, fun. Is one micron. OK. Also one thousandth of a millimeter. So point okay. zero zero one, just so that in your head you're you're thinking. So 100 and, 180 microns would be point one eight zero millimeters. Okay. Just so that we're thinking about decimal places and how this is written. So um, one micron is a number that people throw around a lot. Oh, it's out by a micron. Oh, what is a micron? Well, the smallest more mold spores that you can find are a micron. Oh wow! It's <laughs> completely. You can't see them. You can't smell them. They're floating yeah. particles in the air. It's what causes your allergies to go crazy. But that that that's a micron, and they're all around you, and you're not seeing them. It's not visible. Now, when we get to bacteria at seventy microns, that's seventy microns is actually past the um, the visible spectrum. So, if you were to see something that was seventy microns with your eyes you would see what appears to be a like literally the most minute thing your eyes can pick out like a changing color it, it's not really visible at 40 microns but it's right that would enough be the highest we could possibly see you yeah that you could possibly see is 40 microns yeah well so black, like black, the thickness white speck. The, like Go the ahead. thickness of the paper is 70. You know, we can see the thickness of the paper. Yeah. I mean, at least we, yeah. I think I can. Um, yeah. So oh, like you if, can that, see it. <laughs> if, if that bacteria were as long as a piece of paper, then we'd see it, you know, it, but it's still yeah. thin as the, okay. So that, that's what I'm like, where does the, the visual stop? Because I can see the thickness of a paper. What it is, so what it'd be about like 70 or 65 microns or. Yeah, you're going to find, um, 40 microns is considered the 
oh, we can see this. How big does it have to be? I mean, honestly, I'm blind as a bat. What I can see and what Kyle can see are probably completely different. You know, even same with you, Caleb. Your prescription yeah. is probably different. You know, with a with a nice little zoom reticle, I can see a lot more. Even just a two times reticle um, changes a lot. Okay. Um, the one thing that I like to point out here that that really hit home for me when I was trying to study this, though, is the red blood cell. So, you know, you get a cut on your arm and you're bleeding. You feel like that is liquid. But that liquid is has in it the seven micron blood cells. I'm sorry. I keep looking at my notes on this screen. Yeah. Um, and and we can't imagine how small our red blood cells are. But we measure those in microns. So every once in a while, I'll find a customer who's looking to do, you know, like, half of a ten thousandth of an inch as their accuracy yeah that's 500 <laughs> just, sorry caleb i just saw your face i think no. i'm pretty sure if my if my sea is correct it's 500 micro inches or 500 gotcha. millionths of an inch okay um which is about 10 microns right okay. uh, maybe maybe 12 microns all right so I would encourage you, try, I try not to do this job, but I would encourage you to go check out the YouTube channel on this because it's a really cool graphic up here. Maybe we can put a link to it in the uh, show notes too. Yeah. Through the, the difference here. So what you're talking about, the accuracy they, they want, you know, we've got like the references here. So thickness of the paper, human hair, blood cell, bacteria, mold spore. What yeah. multiple of, of these are they looking for uh, for accuracy to? Yeah, so I, I pulled this up just to give us a visual thought in our head yeah. of what a micron is. But, you know, generally when you're starting to talk about microns and the danger zone that you really cross into is after about, you know, if you have something closer than a 20 micron accuracy. So something smallest, smaller than that little tiny hair that curled up and, you you know, you can't even really see it. It's that invisible thing in your eye. Yeah. Um that type of smallness, once you start getting smaller than that, we start entering into danger territory where you're starting to get very, very, very expensive to measure something. Makes sense. So, um, you're let's have to control all of the conditions, including the vibration of the floor. Yeah. So a turn check, for example, um, which is an OGP laser system used for measuring outside diameters of cylindrical parts. I know that was a lot of words, but if you're in the industry, you know what I said. If you're not in the industry, it measures things with a laser. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't mean that in a rude way, but yeah, it's like I, I could spend three yeah. hours. We, we only got um, so much time. <laughs> yeah, um, that has an accuracy without any. It has some temp comp and stuff in it, but without any external sources on it, it has an accuracy of about seven microns, maybe a little bit tighter okay. than that. Okay. Uh, so what for for real? I say real for. Kind of modern everyday things that folks run into what type products i guess and you may not even be able to answer this question maybe an unfair question but like what type products do people interact with on a daily basis that needs this level of detail oh great example is your cell phone oh the inside okay. of your cell phone is full of very accurate measurements from the the way the circuit board is put together as far as everything i mean there's so many things we take for granted. The car engines, like the spacing between the the cylinder and the and the piston, you mm -hmm. know, stuff like that are very accurately measured at the factory because they have to be measured in a way that that will last forever. Right. 
So they have to start in a good place. Um, a great example, medical. All sorts of medical stuff has crazy tolerances. Um, I worked with a customer that, um, trying to decide if there's anything in what I was about to say that I'm not allowed to say, that makes, <laughs> that makes machines for sewing internal organs. Oh, fun. So it's like a sewing machine yeah. that, that I got you. Go, it's actually gastrointestinal, so they can put it down oh. your throat. And so it's absolutely the most absurd so thing. Cool. I had, I worked on it and I was like, what are we, what is this thing? So and they kept cool. bringing out 3D printed parts that were like, you know, something you could visually see. Well, we're trying to measure this here. And I'd be like, oh, okay, that's easy enough to do. And then they'd bring out the actual part and it's, you know, this. <laughs> like, where is it? My brain is having, you know, oh, wait, that was really easy on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but now you oh, really it and, um, Because, you know, it is really hard to visualize it if you can't see it. And a lot of these parts that we are measuring to those types of accuracies, watches have a lot of very accurate measurements in them, stuff like that. Well, okay. even like the, the needle that you get a shot with. I mean, that's super thin, you know, but the. Oh, yeah. The wall thickness gotta... on that, how it's cut. All of that stuff is not quite micron accuracy, but you're 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 getting into some pretty tight tolerances there. Um, and the great thing is, is that this industry is always growing. This industry's always got new products coming out to meet the demand of the new, more accurate mm -hmm. manufacturing. Um, and honestly, I think that if you're talking about sizes and you're talking about, you know, the one thing that really matters to, you know, president of a company or to hey, we're, we're talking about measuring to this accuracy. What do I need to know? And in my head, you know, once you get below a tenth of an inch or that, you know, 20, even 50 microns, you start becoming, getting into an exponential price increase for everything you do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, to go from measuring from four microns to measuring two microns, and to have a four to one or even a two to one ratio on that, so that you you have the room and your uncertainties to make sure that you're on. I mean, you're talking going from hundreds of thousands of dollars to many hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, Crazy. it's like difference between a hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollar machine up to you know a seven or eight hundred thousand dollar machine. Makes sense. So one of the things that as a manufacturer, you know, especially as an inspector and somebody who may be, you know, there's a lot of times people make stuff, they don't even see it applied. You know, if, if, you're, if your parts are compartmentalized, one of the things I learned as I became, um, you know, as I got a little bit more experience is like, if you see a tolerance on a blueprint, don't be afraid to call the engineer and be like, hey, what do you actually need here? You know, because, <laughs> no, because there's so many times whenever I'd see like, Five thousand of an inch. Yeah, yeah. Or that was what was on the last print. I used the same template. And then so you're spending hours or a lot of money reaching these tolerances, and you could have called or you know, they're getting the part and like, man, these guys are good. Like we only have an eighth of an inch and man, everything's everything's perfect. So everything's perfect. <laughs> I mean, which is good, but you have to include that in your prices, you know, like if yeah. you're hitting those kind of tolerances. You have to account for that. I mean, unless yeah. you just got some machine that spits out perfect parts without any maintenance or anything like that, then, you know, but build to what you say you build. I mean, that's all yeah, quality yeah. is doing what you say you do and what your customer needs. It's like proving your building to do is where the fun part is. 
Yeah, I, I describe to people all the time, like when you're getting I when you're getting nine thousand one or you're getting seven eighteen oh two five, there are certain guidelines you have to follow. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, because this is your area of expertise. But um, you know, there's guidelines to follow. But at the end of the day, it's do what you say and say what you do. <laughs> if you do something, write it down, put it part of the manual, so the next guy does the same thing. That's it's about it. repeatability and traceability yep. in your workflows. Yeah. I tell, well, I started telling folks it seems to be a little more impactful because I'm always like, look, we need to make sure that this is repeatable. And then, you know, I, you try to put yourself in there. She's like, well, it is. I do it the same way every time. Repeatable. I'm <laughs> done. Great. Can somebody else do it that way? Yeah. And it's like, no. So I'll try to tell them, like, look, they're like, why do I need to document it? Do your future self a favor. Three weeks from now, if someone comes back to you with an issue on this, you're not going to remember anything with any detail that you did or problems you ran into today. So just document for your own future self's sake. Well, and and the, the concept of do what you say and say what you do is like I've been really investing in that. Prosper Machine Tools working on our 17025 right now. So we're in the middle of a whole yeah, quality awesome. thing. Um, but because of that, like I think about everything I do. I'm the first technician at Prosper who does metrology. And our goal is to have three or four of us in time but everything i do it's about okay if i do this this way is this repeatable for the next guy all the way down to documenting what tools are in my tool bag that i take into a customer every time if i change something changing that on my my list so that if at any point we go okay we're going to hire a guy i can say okay order this backpack order this because we use i use a tool backpack i just upgraded Mm -hmm. from a toolbox um so it's it's that mentality and i know we're way off t- subject right no, now but that's like a oh i don't have it here actually i took it home <clears throat> um that, it was different but it's the same idea it is when i was safety manager i had a toolbox in identical supplies in it i had one at home i had one in my car and i had one in my office and i know that sounds like overkill but we had facilities in three different places and I never knew where I'd be. And so in that toolbox was all the basic first aid stuff I needed. It was um, addresses and phone numbers to all of the medical care providers. It had, you know, all of the information yeah. in it. I had my accident form. I had my workers comp forms. I had copies of the insurance for the guys. And I had that, I had three identical toolboxes that everywhere I might be. And I mean, it sounds like overkill, but like, Maybe it, I don't know, maybe it is. Someone's listening to it like, Kyle, you're a little neurotic. And Well, if you have three of identical tools, if you have three identical medical kits, you're never going to run into a surprise. You know, you're not yeah. going to open up a toolkit and be like, crap, this dude needs a, needs a, a you know, thing of whatever, cover yeah, or whatever, yeah, like real quick. I can't find what it. kills us. So if yeah. you've got a good quality program, you limit the number of surprises. And yeah. that yeah. makes life enjoyable we yep. enjoy little happy surprises we hate yep. putting out fires <laughs> yeah well i mean some of us do yeah yeah i, I was gonna say i my job is putting out fires hey uh, mr hey mr technician my machine is down my whole factory can't work until this is fixed come put out this fire no, i'm sorry no, mr. no pressure customer. yeah yeah no. <laughs> well like I'm going to a customer tomorrow. They've got an optical comparator down and I'm, I'm driving down to go fix it. So it's a, um, it's yeah. The, but the that's chaos is good. I mean, like, that is yeah. the normal function. I mean, we, none of us like the unexpected, I have, 
you know, something went wrong because I failed to plan for it type problems. And great so the example more is your show. You can eliminate, the more we get to enjoy our job. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of like the idea of enjoying my work. Yeah. I mean, I spend more time here than I do at home. I, I, I really don't want to be miserable. Yeah. No. <laughs> Nobody else wants you to be either. Um, <laughs> so we the, are probably out of time here. So oh, okay. I, I know I want to keep going, but I gotta I gotta cut it off. But I do really want to uh, to follow up sometime soon. We can do a little totally geeky bonus episode. Um, but okay. so you're with a new shop now. So tell me a little bit more about uh, about your new team. So Prosper Machine Tool is a small business based out of um, Texas. Um, our office is over towards Fort Worth. Um, we are a group of cert. We we both sell. Um, and service CNC machines and metrology equipment. Um, we have a full team of people who can work on repair, get you back up and running for all your CNCs. Tons of experience. These guys are, I'm, I am not a CNC repair guy, but these guys know their stuff like crazy. <laughs> um, I talk to them all the time because uh, it fascinates me because the worlds are very similar, but also very different. Um, and then, there's me right now on the metrology team. Um, we're here to help you. We have a whole sales team to help you if you have interest in OGP or metrology products. Um, we also have probably five or six lines for um, for CNC machines, lathes, mills, kind of whatever people need. Well, how can folks find you guys? Uh, so it's Prosper MT. That's like P R O S P E R M T dot com. Oh. Um, and we don't do a lot with small tools, hand tools, stuff like that. We do mostly large machines. So we're kind of here to help however you guys need. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Let's see. Oh, there we go. All right. Sorry. Still trying to figure out some of the, the fun tools I can do on the, the video stream. Of course. And, you know, learning um, while you go. That's that's just the best way to do it, right? Hey, that's <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how we both got our qualifications learning as we go. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> I think that's the case for all of us. <laughs> Man, I feel bad for you know, Caleb when uh when he first started here. It's like, hey, um you know anything about computer programming? A little bit. <laughs> There's fire, don't burn. Yeah. I was gonna say I happened to that's how I learned 3D printing. That's how I learned I bought a cheap 3D printer. Spent so many hours, you know, elbows deep in it. Now I ended up getting to a point where I was building them. And now, I mean, I just buy nicer ones now because I know so they're going to work. And it's, I'm not home enough. But, um, yeah, no, I, I'm i here. If anybody ever has questions, you guys can reach out through Kyle if you're yeah. ever looking for some advice on metrology stuff. If you're looking for uh, new machines or service or something like that, prospermt.com. Awesome, but, awesome. Uh, it was great to meet you, well. Caleb. I think this is our first time together, so. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. awesome. All right. Well, I will go ahead and wrap her up here, but um, hang on for just a minute, and maybe we can talk about scheduling some, some time to get a little more geeky. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, everyone. So that is it for today's episode. A little bit longer than normal, but this is kind of fun stuff. So it's uh, – it's just it's fun putting this stuff together. It's fun having these conversations. And, you know, the quality world is one of these where we're all so serious so often and probably take ourselves too seriously. So we just need to be able to have a little bit of fun and, and understand uh, understand this thing from a real world perspective. So if you enjoy what we're doing, check it out. Be sure to like, subscribe on uh, YouTube. You can find us iTunes, Spotify, wherever. We hope to hear from you soon. Y'all take care.